You're listening to a Mint podcast brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to Why Not Mint Money. I am Sachin from Mint's personal finance team and today we talk about ESG. ESG stands for environmental, social and governance. We delve into the various aspects of it, why it is important to consider ESG aspects in investing and the challenges it faces. In this episode, I invite Sivanath Ramachandran, who is the Director of Capital Markets Policy at CFA Institute India to discuss the topic. Welcome to Why Not Mint Money, a personal finance podcast where we help you understand basic money concepts and share strategies for you to build your wealth. So let's get started with your money journey. Hi guys, today we have with us Sivanad Ramachandran and he is currently the Director of Capital Markets and Policy at the CFA Institute and he has come here to talk about the trending ESG investing topic and he has also been associated with Morningstar uh, for which he was actively working on the index creation side uh, which uh, there also he was involved uh, uh, in creating various sustainability indexes. Uh, am, I, am I right Shiva? You are correct uh, Sashint. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Uh, very glad to be here. Yes. So, Sivak, uh, let's jump right to the topic. Uh, why ESG? Why should people consider an ESG fund on top of other so, uh, so many funds out there? So, why ESG fund? Yeah, it's a, uh, it, it's, there is a lot to unpack, but I'll just give you some perspectives. Um, ESG uh, stands for Environment, Social and Governance. Um, like, you know, these are the factors... Uh, in addition to financial factors, uh, which can affect the value of a company. Uh, why ESG? I think, uh, you know, ESG or uh, sustainable investing has been in prevalent for a long time, um, especially in the West. Uh, but in the last few years, uh, its prominence has increased. It's a combination of many factors. Uh, first is the general recognition, this uh, pure uh, shareholder-focused capitalism does not work, um, especially people have come to that realization after the credit crisis and the latest pandemic. So I think it's important for companies as well as investors to look beyond shareholder interest and look at the broader society or uh, you know stakeholder interest. So that's one. Um, I think uh, you know the impact of uh, climate change has also focused uh, you know people's attention. Uh, so if you see that uh, when people look at Many of their preferences, they apply a sustainability lens. Uh, you know, when it, when you look at transportation, when you look at food preferences, in many of their areas in life, people are looking at a sustainability lens, right? So they, the popularity of electric cars, the organic food, and like, you know, so-called... Uh, <laughs> like, you know, shift to vegan and, and so on. So they are expressing their values, personal values in many of their daily decision making. So investment decisions uh, is not that different either. Therefore, they are also looking at how can they express their personal values and they can sustainability preferences through their investments too. And that has been one of the drivers of, um, you know, ESG investing. Shivat, we, we know that uh, uh, there is a sustainability aspect to ESG investing. We want to do good for the environment. That's why we want to invest in responsible companies. 
but is there a um, return alpha generation aspect of ESG investing meaning if we invest in a ESG fund are we supposed to expect a lower return than the average market or is it uh, is there a scope for earning greater returns also yeah it's uh, it's one of the age old questions and i think uh, people you know have grappled with it many academic studies have been published um, i think the like i would say the results broadly or mixed um, you know till a few years back i think the narrative was that uh, you can have your cake and eat it too so you can have sustainability and you don't need to sacrifice uh, financial returns and so on um, but at the end of the day uh, if you apply a sustainability condition uh, you know in a, from a pure investment theory perspective you're adding a particular constraint right and any constraint if you add to financial like you know investments um, it comes with certain costs it comes with a cost that you know you're not going to track a pure market index so that cost is always there there are going to be some tracking error and potentially there is a cost that you know your investment performance will not track the broad market at all times um, so many of the sustainable strategies if you from a sector um, or industry like profile um you, you will kind of tend to overweight certain sectors and you will and underweight certain other sectors um so for example oil and gas companies coal companies and those kind of companies you will probably underweight and some of the other sectors uh, like technology or financial services you probably will overweight um so when if when those sectors perform better or worse your performance profile also changes right so i would say that uh, you know at the end of the day it matters like how the not just like you know um the decision to invest in sustainable companies or not uh, but also how you are constructing those portfolios will also impact like you know what kind of financial outcomes you get right but that said i think the long term thesis is that uh, when companies focus on not just financial factors but also sustainability factors like you know companies focus on um, you know consumer staple fo- companies focus on the health and nutrition and outcomes for their customers uh, they should like prosper over the long term but uh, short term is can be a different matter yeah so uh, i have a interesting take on this so i was talking to uh, this famous professor out of nyu called Uh, his name is Aswad Damodaran and he said with ESG you add you add constraints to your investing choices and a constraint optimal should give you lower expected returns over long term than an unconstrained optimal so his point was since the universe becomes smaller there might be a possibility that the return would be slightly lower than the average but uh, on the other hand he was saying if you invest in companies that have good uh, uh, governance structure which takes care of your health the env- environment it might also do well so it's a huge development yeah. on yeah and you yeah, know i mean uh, you know i have i have utmost respect for ashwath damodaran he's uh, one of the experts on everything like in you know, uh, valuation um, especially and uh, you know increasingly his views on est are interesting to say the least right um, so i think um, he's absolutely right so which was my initial point that you know when you had constraint to any investments like you are going to get tracking error so tracking error is a thing that your portfolio performance will be different from a uh, market performance right which is a cost in to some extent right so like you know unless you know for sure that 
the adding that uh, differentiation to your portfolio compared to market is going to increase value uh, you can always expect that uh, you know it at least adds to um, a budget in terms of what you take take as an active difference uh, that said i think uh, esg has also um, you should look at it from a risk management standpoint i think uh, you know when you look at companies and uh, when you look at companies uh, with respect to how they're <coughs> addressing uh, the esg issues which are material to them right so that's an important point material to their industry and them their business models uh, and if they don't uh, there are going to be reputational costs and there are going to be like you know legal costs and uh, you know regulatory fines and uh, you know markets uh, like an uh, investors and uh, consumers shunning them so from a risk management standpoint i think uh, you know it's important to look at esg as a risk management tool as much as an alpha generation tool right so it's a question of there are different layers there's performance there is risk and there is potentially tracking error so uh, shiva uh, there is a interesting discussion uh, debate going on saying all this esg elements are very important as you have pointed out that uh, it manages risks because if the corporate structure is good then obviously mm-hmm. the uh, risks of shareholder value deteriorating comes down but uh, mm-hmm. there there is a section of uh, people in the investment management industry saying we don't hey we don't need a esg fund we can uh, incorporate all the esg elements in our uh, present funds so we can have a esg analyst on the team yeah so do you have any thoughts on that yeah i mean uh, it goes back to how you are uh, like, you know constructing your portfolios and how you are looking at esg broadly um, you know e- esg can be a strategy but esg is also a discipline to investing itself right or how to how man, companies are managing themselves um, so esg can be a discipline or a philosophy so i think when investment in an ideal world there is no such thing as esg and there is no such thing as traditional investments um, you take into account everything you know about the company in your investment analysis therefore you know it's not um, an increasingly it's not just the financial statements which matter to the valuation of the company we know that uh, you know the reputation and uh, some of the other soft factors equally matter uh, you can see that uh, the like you know when when those reputations get hit uh, you know the valuations disappear overnight right so i mean it's uh, the link between uh, you know potentially your book value on what's there on your balance sheet and the valuations it's kind of getting it's gotten quite tenuous um, like in in most industries if not all right so i think that's uh, that factor is there um, and uh, like in increasingly uh, we are also seeing that in terms of global investment strategies uh, so you, you see that that when esd started most of the Uh, strategies adopted something like an exclusionary criteria right so they'll exclude certain industries certain companies and so on which they think as sin stocks or whatever they call it uh, but broadly uh, the popularity of investment strategies in what you call integration has risen in prominence uh, which means that you look at uh, investments in terms of uh, uh, <coughs> their contribution to risk uh, which is coming from esd factors and then incorporate in your 
um, like you know portfolio construction and implementation therefore you know it's not esd it's not a separate parameter um, you know you add on um, but uh, it's integral to how you are analyzing your investments and constructing portfolios. so uh, let's come to the other point which is uh, many people have different uh, perception of risks and environmental friendliness and as a result uh, many rating agencies uh, give very different rating for the same companies uh, so morningstar has something else to say msci has something else to say and um, yeah so uh, the difference in perception how do we tackle this problem in the investment industry yeah that's a that's one of the like and you know, i hit the nail on the head uh, when it comes to rating differences um the, i think the famous example was uh, tesla right so which kind of used many academics and practitioners tend to use tesla as an example so you know some uh, one rating provider might say that look tesla's environmental performance is great and like you know they contribute to positive outcomes um, on on the environment side therefore you know we rate them highly on esg uh the another rating provider would say that uh, you know their governance is pretty poor and uh, you know their management uh, you know volatility is extremely high uh and therefore we rate them pretty poorly right so what do you focus on i think that leads to so much differences even at the company level and broadly in terms of uh, correlations if you just stack up the ratings of all the um companies uh, side by side so there are many ways to do this i mean like and you know, so if you see uh, the recent changes uh, which sebi has proposed um, what they have said is uh, a uh, rating providers should uh, <coughs> uh, you know they suggested rating providers should use some india related factors in their analysis and they suggested a list of factors they also said that uh, you know um, uh, rating providers should use uh, what they call a core esd meaning um, you know companies need to provide uh, parameters like in you know, a disclosures on many parameters uh, some a subset of which need to be assured uh, by uh, you know auditors or assurance uh, partners and they said that this subset of parameters are the most reliable set of parameters and therefore rating providers should provide a core esd rating based on these parameters right so so there are many ways to kind of tackle this issue uh, but on the flip side some people will also say that uh, you know it depends on how well investors agree on um, you know the rating methodologies uh, as long as at the end of the day it's an investment decision and the investors should have flexibility to say that this is my view on a particular company even with respect to esg and my view aligns with a certain rating provider and therefore i must be allowed to have the flexibility to adopt a certain parameter right now you don't go and like ask an ask a like portfolio manager why did you invest in um, let's say an itc and why did you invest in like you know supermarts and so on like you know and we don't tell them that you know oh this is the valuation guidelines for all the companies and therefore you should follow it right so to some extent flexibility is important you need to have diversity in viewpoints in the market and that's what makes the market if everyone follows the same view on anything then that does not make a market right so that's the flip side um, to that argument yeah that's so true we don't tell people how to value company there is no specific parameters but and in esg it's the same thing right and people do come up 
come up with different perception of risks and environmental friendliness. But yeah, that's just part of the investment process. Yeah, no, I think uh, you know. So, so to that point, right? So, if there are multiple rating methodologies, it does create confusion for investors. So, if you say that uh, one one fund is like you know having all these. Uh, one of the issues is fossil fuel companies, right? So in the ESG portfolio, and people have different views points, right? People say that, oh, you should not have fossil fuel company because they don't contribute to transition or they don't contribute to clean energy and so on, and we should not have it. Others will say that, okay, fine. It's not about like excluding fossil fuel. It's about what they are doing and so on. So the the answer is better disclosures, right? So I think at the end of the day, whether it's ratings or whether it's portfolio managers, they need to be able to defend what they do and then as long as they can clarify and people make it clear what they do in their process people can agree and disagree with them and then they can make an informed decision uh, but I, i i see why this is seen as a problem that need to be sorted um, and to some extent it's worthwhile sorting this out but uh, you know you can always go to the other extreme and make it to monolithic right so that's the challenge yeah so I have an interesting example, just just like uh, Tesla is an example in the US. So in India, ITC has a very good ESG rating across many uh, global rating as an agency. And, but the thing is, they are the largest tobacco maker in India, right? And they, yeah, they have a higher ESG rating than companies like Nestle and Asian Pants. Like Nestle makes chocolates and ITC makes... tobacco so <laughs> it feels very not intuitive this kind of rating but I yeah so i think that's a challenge right so i mean um, so so there are many factors to unpack uh, so you can say that look as the largest maker of cigarettes uh, you know so one of the reasons um, why exclusions exist and like mainly many exclusionary uh, funds uh, tend to exclude uh, uh, tobacco and uh, coal and uh, you know companies uh, which sell firearms as a as their business model right so uh, so so they tend to ignore this thing but they also uh, tend to say that okay fine you should not get more than x percent of their revenues from a certain activity and so on it's not like uh, so on so there are like there is nuance to it um, you know you can uh, if you are for an itc you could say that uh, you know uh, they are diversifying over time and so on and uh, their their actual business practices when it comes to you know working with those um, stakeholders in the community and so on so you could look at some of the other parameters uh, if you are not for a particular company you could say their core business model like you know their core product um, still like you know has a health health problem right so uh, you know it 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 is um, <clears throat> it is not monolithic that's what i will say right so even even when you think that uh, this company uh, you know should not be i think the issues might be more nuanced so before we move on to the next topic i want to ask a question and you might be uh, uh, you might have an answer to this so a bloomberg article uh, has pointed out that esg rating companies when they try to rate companies they don't look at how much the company is polluting the environment or how much it is affecting the people rather it looks at uh, 
how much the company is set to gain from the um, society as a whole so uh, i'll quote one just one line from the report it said it uh, they have taken the example of a, a chemical company and they have written how msci uh, rates the company's esg so the report said while measuring a chemical company's water stress score msci does doesn't look at whether the company is polluting water supplies in the community rather it estimates whether the communities have enough water supplies for the company to sustain its plan its plans this applies even if msci's analysts find little evidence that the company is trying to restrict discharges in into the local water system yeah yeah i think uh, i think you, your question goes to the core of esg ratings what it tries to measure right and this is one of the i think i think um uh bloomberg article i i read that bloomberg, bloomberg article it's almost uh, it's a year or so right a year or so back um and uh, i think um at the end of the day uh, customers need to understand like you know what they are investing in right so i think definitions matter and there needs to be a little more clarity right so in this example there are two uh impacts right what is the uh what is the impact of esd issue on a company's bottom line or like risk and then the second impact is what is the company's impact on the environment as well as the communities itself right so these the directions are both like you know from one to other and the like you know uh, they're different so i think uh, when you look at uh, potentially the so called esd integration uh, what it like it's a very financial way of looking at things right so you look at esd issues and how it impacts the company's risks and uh, company's uh, like in you know, a performance and uh, that you take into consideration when you are building like which companies are good and which companies are bad and then there are impact funds which tend to look at how, what are the company which companies are having the greatest positive impact or managing their negative externalities well right now on in theory you can like in a in an ideal or in an ideal world uh, these two things should go hand in hand uh, companies which manage like in a its uh, impact from the environment as well as its impact on the environment equally well um, but but it, you can always find examples like you know that's not the case right so there are two parts to it so uh, some jurisdictions like european union have this concept of double materiality so companies like you know you, you should you need to look at um, you need to look at the material considerations not only from the environment but also on the environment right so when you are coming out with uh, you know esg ratings or potentially you know implementation uh, of uh, esg factors in your portfolio uh, the but but the bigger answer is uh, making sure that customers understand what they are investing in right like when you buy organic food you know that it you know the company's impact on like environment is lower right but when you buy an esd fund is it automatically clear to you that you know where the direction is coming from right to me like you know that needs to be absolutely clear otherwise uh, you are risk risking uh, potential greenwashing concerns yeah and i think this also applies uh, in the indian mutual fund context 
because uh, many funds uh, so in- interestingly there was only one ESG fund that was uh, in in the Indian market for quite some time that is the SBI Magnum ESG uh, fund mm-hmm. all other five or six odd funds came just in the last three years due to the uh, hype in ESG in investing and and if you look at their SID document, the way how they describe their investment strategy is very vague. Um, so uh, just like you mentioned, there is a difference between having an exclusion strategy and uh, integ- integration scheme. Uh, mm. So uh, for uh, one instance is that I wouldn't name the mutual fund, but two mutual funds have exactly the same word by word copy of how they try to run their ESG fund and uh, okay and the end end result of how their fund is constructed is very different if you see see at the churn rate if you see at how long they're holding it in, in their stocks and stuff so uh so uh yeah see why saying there is a need to properly classify if you're running an, an ESG strategy, what kind of strategy is it, right? So I think, uh, you know, so so what you're alluding to is, uh, you know, product or fund level disclosures, right, on ESG. Um, in fact, uh, in fact, SEBI came out with proposals uh, last year, which talks about like, uh, what kind of disclosures are needed at the product level as well as at the fund level, right? Responsible investment policy at the fund level as well as uh, product level, scheme level disclosures that are needed. Uh, CFA Institute, uh, like, you know, created this, uh, you know, uh, ESD disclosure for investment product standards. Uh, so we went through consultations from 2020 and we released our final proposals in 2021. Uh, you know, so, and, and uh, we also worked with uh, you know, we also made, made gave, provided some inputs to SEBI uh, for some of their like you know work work in the scheme level disclosures. Um, I think uh, you know the uh, SEBI's circular uh, and which is now implemented through Amfi, uh, you know, which requires monthly. Uh, I think it's monthly disclosures from schemes uh, on uh, their design as well as their outcomes, right? As well as their fund level. I think that's a significant improvement when it comes to, um, you know, ensuring that funds describe exactly what their investment process is and provide reasonable information for investors to judge, uh, like, you know, understand what their investment process is. Uh, But to some extent, uh, you know, I would say that Indian ESG fund industry is still at its nascency. Uh, a lot of circulars have come and a lot of processes are getting put in place. Uh, I would probably wait for things to mature a bit to kind of uh, say that uh, where things stand and so on. But all your all uh, like you know, your comments about uh, the fact that disclosures can be improved is perfectly valid. But I also say that uh, you know it's still a very nascent industry. As I check the AUM, it's like not even one percent of total industry AUM is an ESG, right? So I think a lot of, lot of buzz, but it's still a long way to go. That's, that's where I was. I'm suspecting must be not more than 10,000 crores. The lar- largest fund would be managing, I think, 4,500 odd. Yeah, that was, those were the numbers I have seen as well. Yeah, uh, so uh, I'll come to the last question. So CFA Institute is a stalwart in ESG certification and people looking to work in the ESG industry, they uh, put in a lot of uh, 
focus on the CFA uh, ESG curriculum and certificate. Can you talk a little bit about how it has evolved and what the uh, curriculum content? Sure. Um, so CFA Institute uh, is looking at ESG um, from an investor standpoint, right? At the end of uh, end of the day, end investors. Uh, need to have product choices and like you know asset management companies and analysts need to kind of make sure that uh, they have the skills as well as they provide the right disclosure for end investors to make informed decisions so that's been our mission in general for investors um, so we look at esd from the lens of uh, education as well as uh, research advocacy and standard setting, right? In terms of education, uh, we launched our CFA Institute certificate in ESG investing um, last year, and uh, it is aimed at investment professionals trying to understand not just the concepts, but be able to uh, make sure that in their day-to-day job, uh, they can apply the concepts for analyzing companies, uh, engage with companies in terms of stewardship, as well as make sure that uh, their investment decision-making is robust and uh, can they can communicate it in a right way, right? So making sure that the investment professionals have the concepts in order to do their job adequately, that's the focus of the certificate. Um, we have, uh, we are working on a few others, like in a certifications around climate uh, because it is part of big part of ESG but it is also like evolving very quickly so we are working on a climate certificate um, and the other side in terms of research advocacy and standards we publish plenty of research in fact my last paper was around BRSR in the area of gender diversity because it's called mind the gender gap um, we looked at BRSR voluntary disclosures and uh, we looked at their gender disclosures and we made some comments on um, how what's the quality of those disclosures what's the like what does the disclosure say about the state of uh, you know women in Indian uh, company Indian listed companies as well as uh, made some recommendations for regulators as well as companies right so we continue to work on plenty of research we respond to many consultations we engage with sebi and uh, and the industry and making sure that uh, you know whatever we do uh, we do it from the perspective of end investors and they can make informed choices uh, when it comes to esg uh, shiva currently uh, uh, all the amcs that are running esg fund do they require somebody uh, that needs to have some kind of ESG certification to to run the ESG fund, or is there no such requirement? I'm not aware of any uh, mandatory requirement for ESG training. Um, pardon me. Like you know, the guidance guidance could be coming right either from the industry or from the regulator. Um, I'm just not aware uh, currently. But that said, I think uh, regulators in many markets uh, they provide incentives for investment professionals to kind of scale up their ESG knowledge. Uh, so, for example, like whether it's, uh, you know, Hong Kong or Singapore, some of the financial centers, uh, they uh, they go so far as to reimburse part of the uh, ESG trainings that investment professionals undertake in their respective markets. Uh, so, like, you know, so there are plenty of, uh, you know, uh, efforts that are going on. Uh, I would imagine that uh, regulators already doing plenty. Um, we should see something soon, if not already. 
That brings us to the end of today's episode. If you would like to know more about this topic, then you can reach out to me on Twitter. I go by the username at the red session nj or LinkedIn using my full name that is session Lingthao Kongjam. We would be happy to take your suggestions. That's all from our side. Thanks for tuning in. See you in the next episode. To stay updated on this podcast, follow us at HD Smartcast on all the major social media platforms. To listen to more such podcasts, log on to www.hdsmartcast.com. Smartcast.com.